SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, here on the early line. This is what we do, our number two here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my man, Kevin Walsh, as well here, helping us with the fun and functional sports content. Kev, huge day in the NBA. You know, this, the difference of series getting knotted up at one and someone getting a 2 nothing lead, like I'm talking about the Sixers as potentially dead man walking Cancun on three. Meanwhile, teams like the Dallas Mavericks showed up and showed out. Teams like the Utah Jazz really kind of tightened up that series and makes me think we have a long one. So let's apply that theory now to what many people believe was a surprise in game one of this series where the Portland Trailblazers get a one nothing lead on the Lakers. If we look at it today, you know, the books seem to think obviously that, you know, the Lakers are going to come on back and even up this series. They are six and a half point favorites. But I got to ask you, look, the Lakers haven't cracked 100, you know, with 93 there. They are still, even though I know game one went under Kev, right, at 193, I still believe the prevailing wisdom is that the Blazers are going to be able to score. My question for you, Kev, is, you know, these Lakers have to shoot it a little bit better. Everyone this side of LeBron has to get it in gear. Is that going to happen? Is that what you expect? Or how do you expect that to happen, Kev? I would say a little bit better is the nicest way you can put a team shooting 5 of 32 from 3. What a disgraceful performance that was from this group. And look, this game here is everything. You can't stress this enough. You go down 2-0. This Blazers team's like, we're never going to lose again. We might win 16 in a row. I mean, the confidence that these boys would be losing is out of this world. All of a sudden yeah. now, the Lakers are in their head. Man, we can't play in the bubble. I, I, we do need fans. Like, this is bad. This is bad news, okay? And most importantly is the offensive side of the ball. Because if they go out there, Dane, right? Because mm-hmm. I've been getting a lot of questions, right? Because I've been telling people I'm confident about this Lakers team. They're like, well, let me ask yes. you this. Well, let me ask you this. And I go, well, let me ask you this. If the Lakers go out there and put up 120 and they win this game by double digits, are we good? Are we calm now? Did they get off to a slow start and now we're ready to roll? Like, that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out here when it comes to this series. Is are we waiting to just see that one game go in the, and kind of the game go their way? Because I'll tell you right now, the fact that this total is coming down is interesting. It makes me think that there's a world where they view the flow of game number one as actually something that might stick around. And that might have to do with the fact that we're getting Hassan Whiteside, right? Mm. All world rim protector, not a floor spacer for significantly more minutes now due to the absence of Zach Collins. That is going to extend at least a week who can protect the rim somewhat, but is certainly someone that likes to space the floor a lot more on the offensive side of the ball. So that's something that really interests me here is this total and the fact that it you know opened at 229 and a half for game number one was bet all the way up i think into the 233 range and now sits here dane at 228 and a half yeah that you know that is interesting as a number when the last game 
was 100 to 93, and the Lakers have struggled on the offensive side. But for me, Kevin, the question back for you, it's not like trying to play gotcha because I know you've been on this Lakers train. It's more from analysis. It's more of a strategy. It's more of a approach and an X's and O's standpoint that I want to ask you here as it relates to the Lakers. Of course, right now, as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, get on the grid, get everything you need to help try and make it a profitable day, including the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. Kev, you know, I want to ask you, what approach will we see from AD and LeBron? You've been talking about it with guys like Embiid and even AD. Like, they need to be the five. They need to be dominant, right? So I want to ask you, how will it look with AD and, more importantly, with LeBron? I mean, the man average, you know, he had over 15 assists in the last game. So, yeah. LeBron, is it option A? I got to get everybody involved, even if KCP is 0 for 9, even if Danny Green couldn't hit to the broad side of a barn. Do I still need to play LeBron point forward facilitator? Or do I need to say, to hell with all this, I can't go down 2-0 to Dame time because then we are in legit trouble. I got to take over, even if that means me getting 44 tonight. Which way do you think LeBron sees that he's got to play it. Will he continue to have faith in the teammates to quote unquote, make the right basketball play? I mean, can we talk about the fact that this dude had 16 assists in a game where nobody on his team shot? Well, like he probably could have had 25 assists. Like it's ridiculous to think. And LeBron, like I know people maybe don't like to hear this, but LeBron does this stuff for a reason. Okay. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, these guys are need to, are not going to only need to be good in this series, but it's every single series moving forward and he needs to make sure that they get their reps and you might say so you mean to tell me he let game number one go no 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 no. but that's why he's going like it's a little bit more pass first right it's a little bit get these guys their looks over everything and i'm not sure he's necessarily going to be going in his mind all right screw you all i'm gonna score 40 because i don't have time for this i think at the start at least he will take his same calculated approach but if we're gonna play in the props market here tonight dane Anthony Davis yeah. had 28 points in a game that I would say he was terrible. 12 of 17 from the free throw line is far worse than he usually is. But that 17 free throw number, I'm not sure that's going anywhere. Can't talk enough about Wenyan Gabriel and his five fouls in 15 minutes. That boy's got no chance. 0 for 5 from 3, tough scene. Usually you're going to get at least one. And 8 of 24 from the field for a guy who usually is that close to the basket, that's no good either. The number is 31 and a half. Okay, I think he might have 40 tonight. All right, fair enough. And if LeBron has in the to, first know, half, and if LeBron has to do it all, I would also intrigued by this plus one twenty for LeBron James to record a triple double. He did it last time around. He may have to do it all and do it again this time. We'll come back with more right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, twenty four seven, as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering: real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Oh. 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here on the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. And, you know, Kev, we put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. Kevin, the last few days, we have been all basketball all the time. So I do want to make sure we have a couple of minutes, at least, to talk about what we're seeing in Major League Baseball, the kind of headline stories. And remember, we're almost at the, like, halfway point, for goodness sakes, of the Major League Baseball season. So we want to check in on some of the teams. I, uh, I think it's a safe bet I will mention Charlie Blackman's batting average in this segment as well. But I want to ask you about a story that we are seeing. Remember the Joe Kelly suspension for hitting the Astros and then it was eight uh, games. I got rid of five and all that stuff. Well, Kev, I think we've been doing this show now for a little while together and we have a couple of like adopted teams. We have a couple of adopted guys. We have a couple of mm. like chaos theories that we want to see. One of our dudes here on the early line is good old Trevor Bauer. And Trevor yeah. Bauer decided to kind of like big up his uh, fraternity brother in arms, Joe Kelly. And by the way, anytime that Trevor Bauer can kind of try to poke the bear that is the Houston Astros, you know he's going to take his chance to do it. And so he had cleats. You know, that he was going to wear that literally was like free Joe Kelly, the Dodgers pitcher on his cleats. And then he was told by Major League Baseball that he was not allowed to wear them. And then Trevor Bauer goes off Bauer again, sticking his nose in a beautiful way, I might add, uh, to the business. I, I mean, look, Trevor Bauer right now can do whatever he wants. He is under a one ERA. He's top five in strikeouts. He's been... He's been maybe the best pitcher in baseball, right? Like, it's it's just ridiculous what this guy is putting forward right now. And then on top of that, he is certainly uh, gaining my support for him to be the future commissioner of this league. And, and I'll tell you the other thing that he did that I, I thought was very important, but he told Fernando Tatis, like, he sent out that tweet where yeah. he was like, look, man, everything you did was right other than apologize. Please keep doing everything that you're doing. And I thought that that was so important to me because – as much as I like the free Joe Kelly stuff, and you know, it was kind of funny where I think he knew he couldn't get away with wearing them, and that's why he tweeted it out beforehand. That way, the right. warning would come down, and that way, then he didn't do it as opposed to just wearing them and then get the suspension. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as that Tati situation, which we kind of sure. brought up we can go there. briefly yesterday, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to say it is the most conversation that I've seen about Major League Baseball on my timeline in some time because Fernando Mm. Tatis is actually cool and (laughs) baseball does not have a lot of things that are actually cool so and yesterday Manny Machado hit the walk-off grand slam we heard you know Chris Welsh rips it in the update saying like uh I don't know if was he allowed to swing on that one I love it (laughs) these Rangers get them out of here I'm still trying to fire the Padres manager because that dude's a clown for not backing Fernando Tatis. You can shove your take sign, brother. Like, I think that this Fernando Tatis, Trevor Bauer, like, these guys are going to hopefully help Major League Baseball get to a point where it's actually, like, talked about. Because 162, it's hard to keep people's attention. Obviously, I know they're playing 60. Uh, but, as you know, when they go out there and they have fun in the way that they've been doing, it gets people invested. Yeah, it absolutely does. You know, that's why they even now Major League Baseball even has the slogan, right? Let the kids play. And we talk about bat flips and we talk about showing some personality. And obviously, as this sport comes back, they are going to think, have to think about how to kind of retain 
the fan base that they have. You mentioned Tatis. You mentioned Machado. So let's go there to the NL West. This is a division that we have continued to look at, Kev. Why? I'll tell you the reason why for me. Because they have four teams, Kev, that are above 500. They're the only division in baseball to do that. We all knew about the Dodgers, and they are now back at the top. But these Rockies have been a story. The Padres have been a team we talk about. The Diamondbacks have been a team we talk about, and they are back over 500. So, yeah, let's get into it. Those San Diego Padres won 6-3 yesterday. As you mentioned, Machado with the kind of walk-off grand slam. They keep it going potentially today. They've got another one against the Texas Rangers. Do you think the Padres can, you know, continue to get hot? They got uh, Lament on the hill. Lament has been a strikeout artist. Lament has had no-nos through six or seven earlier this season. Eight is the total, minus 190 for the Fathers. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just bring this up as well, though, with this game yesterday. Uh, as cool as it was, heartbreaking for anybody that was out there uh, that played this game under eight. I mean, oh, yeah. like for the, in extra innings already. Right. Yeah. Like it was two four. one. Like right. It was two one. You go to the top of the ninth. Gallo hits a home right. run to send it into uh, into extras. Then you get there. Uh, the, you know, the Rangers do their part in the first inning. And it's literally like, OK, anything other than a grand slam. And I get at least a right. push. And there's Manny Machado hitting a grand slam. Now, to be honest with you, more people bet overs anyway. So, like, I hope there was people out there with that over ticket that cashed. That's an awesome one. Uh, and you know what? Deserved. Good for you. Uh, we look at this game here, though. Look, the Mets been good. Gibson's not been bad either. Uh, it's interesting to me, you know, when you look at this total staying put at eight, they probably do feel like yesterday's ability to get over was more so of a fluke. And maybe it was. So maybe you do come back around here, Dane to an under, or do you ask yourself that kind of more so in a way that they should have played a stone cold under, right? They kind of got that out of their system. And now today they fire over where the Padres have played now three straight overs and the Rangers have played four straight. Yeah, that is a way you could play it as well. I mean, uh, riding these trends, I just think the Padres are looking good, and I'm not buying into the Texas Rangers. I actually think the fathers keep it going. Talk about two teams going in opposite directions, Kev. The Houston Astros, I believe, have won like seven in a row. They got a W13-6 over Colorado yesterday. Kyle Tucker, the prize prospect, you heard it in the update, almost hit for a cycle, but did have two triples in this game, and the Astros are hot now, trying to chase these Oakland A's. They've won seven in a row. And, you know, unfortunately, the Rockies are going in the opposite direction. Remember, they were the, the talk of all of Major League Baseball. They're now, you know, tied with the Padres in second place in that division. They're losers of their last three. And, you know, I don't want to say he's slumping, but with a one-for-three game yesterday, Charlie Blackman has lowered his average, but it's still 426. How do you see this one shaking out? By the time Lemayhew's back, he's going to lead the league in batting average. Don't forget uh, Solano look, either in the Giants, but yeah. So the interesting thing was yesterday, uh, Cam and I on, on in-game live, we looked at this game pregame. The total was 12 and a half, right? And we were like, you know what, man? That's just so high. These teams have been playing under, right? We made the nah, point. We made the point. We made the point, though, Dane, of play under 12 and a half, but don't be greedy. Hope for a slow start. See if you can middle this. 
because there could there should still be some offense here between these mm. teams. And through the first four innings, I think there was only three runs in the game. Now I you know we got off air. I didn't continue to follow that line. I was you know we were watching clips, Mavs, right? But uh, I mean the number certainly dropped below twelve and a half. Now that was necessary because obviously the twelve and a half was a losing ticket. This game got to nineteen here, but we're looking at an eleven. Okay, both guys that are on the mound here today. Uh, when you look at Marquez and Christian Javier, have been pretty good. I think it's reasonable that you, you take a similar approach here. Play the eleven. Don't be greedy about it. Try and see if you can middle up this game because that is the danger of playing at Coors Field and hope that this game gets off to a slow start. So here's my question for you because I was also going to look at that total, which stands now at 11. <sighs> Kev, it's a day game. Uh, last night, that's one thing, right? But with it happening in the day, in the thin air in Colorado, and this number is 11 for the total, not 12 and a half, whatever you referenced for the yesterday's game. I see no reason mm-hmm. why not to just take this over pregame right now. Look, and, and, that's, and that's a fine way to play it. It's just the reason I would offer you is before yesterday, the Astros had held their opponents, I think it was in seven straight games, to two or less runs, and in six of them, they held them to one run exactly. So after giving up six Nine. yesterday, Javier's been real good. Marquez has been a stud. You know, yeah. and look, I understand you're betting on the environment, but we're then ignoring how they've been playing in the two pitchers on the mound. That's fair, but I'm also can take the Astros who have won seven games in a row as plus one fourteen on the money line in this game. And that might be interesting as well. We got the news break going on. And then in the AL East, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. We'll talk about it after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line on SportsGrid. We, of course, also welcome back in our radio audience around the country, including in Southern California, on the mightier 1090. Kev, before the break, I mentioned that objects in your rearview mirror are closer than they appear. And I am talking about the AL East, where right now the Tampa Bay Rays are only a half game back of the New York Yankees because they continue to beat them heads up. The Rays have now won four in a row to get within a half game. They win four to two over the Yankees yesterday. Garrett Cole was on the mound for the Yankees. He didn't take a L in this one. He gets a no decision. So that ridiculous streak of going something like 20 straight decisions without a loss remains intact. But I don't think the Yankees really care about that because they are only up now on Tampa by half a game. They send out James Paxson to try to fix it, but he's pitching to a seven ERA so far this season. Will the Rays be in first place at day's end? So this is a tough spot here for the Yanks, okay? We have to, you know, be able to talk about these things without people being like, ah, excuses, excuses, excuses. Let's call it what it is, right? This team is missing. Aaron Judge, DJ LeMahieu, and Giancarlo Stanton. And the idea that you are just going to, on a regular basis, be without, for some people, the three best hitters on your team and be able to just be fine is a lot to ask. Hmm. So that doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, they would have won those games. That doesn't matter. They lost. What we're talking about here is, you know, moving forward when we're betting on this team, 
Right. At the end of the day, when they're playing Blake Snell, and when they're going up against Tyler Glass now, it's hard to get the job done. These are guys that are tough to hit off of when you have your full complement of players. Okay, and unfortunately for the Yankees, you know, some of the stars that remain healthy, Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez, have both been pretty cold to start the season. So that's the issue right now for the Yankees to me. At the end of the day, and you know, you're gonna get into the playoffs. It doesn't feel like home field really matters all that much. If the Rays jump you, this thing will go back and forth all year long. Are they really gonna have any pressure put on them for at least a top two spot by these back end teams? I think that would be jarring. I think the bigger question just comes about, Dane, how we want to actually bet on the New York Yankees when it comes to the absences that exist in this lineup. Okay, and so how do you want to bet on the New York Yankees? Because honestly, you talk about them losing their three best hitters and stuff, and I'll give you that. But the narrative around the Yankees for a while has been, you know, Luke Voigt going off, Gio Urshela being a revelation, you know, and the fact that they have so much talent, Mike Ford, Mikey Tuchman, these are the names that are carrying the mail. And on one side, everyone's like, oh, they're so lucky. There's, these guys are really good. You know, Luke Voigt has the best OPS out of anybody in the AL since he started. Mikey Talkman could be a starting outfielder. So it almost seems somewhat disingenuous to hype up these guys being able to fill the role on one side and then say, hey, you can't expect too much out of these bench players in the same time. Like, I, I believe in those guys personally as a Yankee fan. And so I'm. Because of that, I, I think the Yankees offense should be fine. And instead, Tampa's a good team and they're holding them down. Like, I'm not trying to make these excuses. I actually believe I'm tipping my hat to the Rays. No, they're not excuses. Again, the Rays have to still okay. get these guys out. But we have to, first of all, the idea that you're just going to continuously be without your top three bats and be fine is ridiculous. Like, that's such a ridiculous ask. The Yankees have set almost an unfair precedent against themselves. But there are other right. points that work here, right? So you look at the guys that remain. Labor Torres is batting 237 on the season. He's one of yeah. these he's one of these stars that have been terrible. Gary Sanchez is batting 132. I want to vomit when I look at that number. Gio Urshela, at one point I thought was hitting 310. Now he's sitting here hitting 243. Like, yes, Luke Voigt's still been great. Mike Ford, I feel like, oh, Mike Ford's having a great year. He's batting a buck seventy-five. Like, at the end of the day, this these aren't excuses. Look at the guys that are sitting in this lineup right now, okay? Clint Frazier gets the job done most most times. You like what you get from Clint. Kim getting pitch in for tough scene. Okay, G Luke Voigt batting two ninety. He's been real good. He's got a nice yeah. little RBI streak going as well. But that's the point. The point here that I'm not is I'm not saying like, oh, this is an excuse. The guys that are in the lineup right now are not producing, and unless DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Judge and, and John Carlos Stanton get activated for today's game, which they're not, right? then it's going to be tough, I think, to kind of back them continuously without those guys. With all of that being said, I do look at today's game. The Yankees had not lost at home entering this series. They've now lost two games in a row at home. Right. I think it's going to be very difficult, no matter who is on the mound for the Yankees and no matter who is on the mound for the Rays, to go into Yankee Stadium and get a sweep. So for me... Okay, we don't have lines unless I'm missing them here, Dane, yet for this no, not game. Yet. But no, not yet. I, uh, as, as, unless the you know price is out of control, I think I will look to back the Yankees to stop the bleeding. All right, and you talk about all of it on the offensive side, right? Remember, the Yankees also brought in James Paxton to be a front-end starter. 
okay, to be kind of like a number two guy, to be able to go in a playoff start. So him pitching with 7 ERA is not good enough. The other way the Yankees can turn it around is an incredible effort out of James Paxton against a derision rival. I want to ask you about Toronto and Philadelphia, Kev, as we stay in the East. These teams are playing a doubleheader today. And my biggest question is because this is going to be in that field in Buffalo. All right, Randall Gritchek is hot as all hell, hotter than liquid hot magma, okay, because he's got four home runs now in the last three games. Will he stay hot? And more importantly, when we get a total for this game, I'm thinking about going over in this one because Gritchick is hot. This is a small kind of uh, stadium. It's not necessarily even the um, the di- dimensions of it, but the ball is flying out. And they got a double header, so we may see uh, you know the rough underbelly of a bullpen here. Talk to me about Phillies Jays. Both of these teams kind of hovering around 500, hovering in the middle of their division. But as we know in 2020, that makes you live for the playoffs. <laughs> sure does, right? Uh, it does. The, 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 the Phillies lost their last game, which stopped what was a nice four-game winning streak that they were on. The Blue Jays come into this one having just swept the Baltimore Orioles and now making that a little bit tighter there for that that, uh, yeah. that spot. I think yeah. backing a side in game number two uh, might be a little bit easier because you'll get to see how much bullpen work do we see. Uh, you know, who takes game one? You usually, you know, like the other team maybe to come back around then on game number two. Uh, I think you got a good point here. Now, of course, I'll just make this point, buyer beware. Okay, when you look at that number, seven in a game. So don't be like, oh, my God, seven and a half. They're going to fly. Just buyer beware. Fair enough, talking yeah. about double hitters, uh, double headers here today with these two teams. No, that's a good point. And thinking about, uh, you know, don't get caught out there. In the prop market, remember the rule is the seven-inning double headers for sure. We'll see how these two teams keep going. Remember, these teams are live as well because also Florida Marlins are starting to come back down to earth. The Baltimore Orioles are also starting to come back down to earth after kind of a nice little start. They now stand at four, 500 at 12 and 12. You mentioned it, though. They did get swept. They're starting a series now against the Boston Red Sox. And honestly, Kev, the Boston Red Sox may be the worst team. In the American League, they certainly have the fewest amount of wins so far at 11 games below 500. You're already hearing their front office talking about that it's a work in progress. I think they are priming the pump for the Red Sox to be one of the few teams that are actually selling and actually have players that other teams may be interested as they try to build up whatever it is, their rotation, their bullpen. And I bring up their pitching. Kev, because I believe in this series coming up right now against Baltimore, a name to watch maybe in like the DFS markets is Anthony Santander of the Baltimore Orioles. This guy has been absolutely crushing the ball. He leads the American League, Kevin, with 25 RBIs in 24 games. That's more than one a game. Think about that. In a normal 162-game season, we're talking about a pace of like 165 RBIs. The man also has nine home runs, second in the American League, only to Mike Trout's 10. Santander has been really, uh, you know, uh, impressive offensively. And these Orioles, who have been swept, now go and see the Red Sox pitching staff where maybe the medicine for anybody. What's really interting here is, and I'm upset we don't have the line for this one yet, is if Baltimore is going to be favored in this game. Yeah. The Red Sox have their quote unquote ace on the mound, and they did a bother. Now, the Orioles are coming off of not just a sweep, but they've now lost four in a row. 
right? So we're getting into the Orioles aren't going to lose five in a row territory. No, this juggernaut that is the Baltimore Orioles could never have a losing streak. That's absolutely right. We've got the Boston Red Sox coming in red hot after losing nine in a row. They won a game. So this to me is a really, really interesting game here. Like it might just simply be a scenario, Dane, where they, they, cause they're obviously they're, they might, they should make it a pick them probably. Cause I think you might look at it when whoever you see getting that plus money number, you'd be like, are you kidding me? The Red Sox are plus money against the Orioles. Right. Or you're like, are you kidding me? Boston's terrible. Like give me, uh, give me them. I, so I think that's interesting. I will just say this for whatever reason, Baltimore has been real bad at home for so like they're four and 11 in that hmm. park. So they've got 12 losses. That's just super weird that this team's eight and yeah, one true. away from Camden Yards for whatever that's worth. But I think this is a game here where maybe you just blindly back whoever they make as the dog. If I had to lean on one side, though, I would probably lean towards Boston. I hear you, but that is a risky proposition given the way they are uh, pitching these days. Boston Red Sox have given up 159 runs so far. That is the worst in the American League. And by all accounts, I'm double-checking, it is the worst in Major League Baseball. The San Francisco Giants have given up 155 to be second. So I think Santander is going to continue his happy ways. I also mentioned, you know, Kev, that some of this stuff is regressing to the mean and look no further than the Mets and the Marlins, right? The Mets get a W Conforto goes yard. The Mets have now won three in a row. The Marlins have lost five in a row to kind of, you know, condense the standings there in the NL East. But when we come back, Kev, we turn our attention to the NFL training camps are open. There's some news and notes that we got to catch you up on. And we will do that when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, here on the early line as we keep it going. And, you know, Kev, we were talking over the break, and I think one of the things people don't realize, because there's no preseason games this year, right, is how close we actually are to the NFL kicking off, right? No news continues to be good news, kind of on the virus front. I'll say that as teams kind of set out, and we don't know, some some teams are talking about fans in the stands for their games. Other teams are making the decision that there will be no fans. That's going to be something of a moving target. But, Kev, today would be the beginning of the second week of the preseason. Hard Knocks already has two episodes in the can. We would be looking at camp battles right now, rookies who are impressive, and unfortunately, the impact of injuries. Before we get into some names, like, are you, are, are you ready? Kev, you know, like we're caught off guard. A lot of people in the last 48 hours to me have been like, oh, wow, we're really close. I, people are asking me fantasy football questions. I'm signing up for other pick pools and things of that nature. We are close. Week two of the preseason would kick off tonight, Kev. No, I'm not ready. What is going on? <laughs> Why, how is this season so close? This feels so weird to me. 
Like, yeah. And I think it is because there are, there is no preseason football. I, I like yeah, those markers and benchmarks. You don't see them. Yeah. And you just don't realize that like how much preseason football is actually discussed. Like you compare it to any other sports preseason. Like it is so much more a part of kind of the calculus of when we break these things down. And we just don't have that now. So like now we're just spending all this time. It's like, Oh, look at this stuff here in training camp and here in training camp. But people can't help themselves. They just keep making fun of the fact that anyone cares about what's going on in training camp, even though that's all we have to go off of. Yeah. Like it's it's just like there's just so it's just so weird. Like there are guys getting suspended, there's guys getting hurt. I'm like, all right, yeah. well, they have they have months to get healthy, right? What? Days? No. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. No, I think I, I think you're right. And there's a couple of things I'd say on this. One, that's why it's even more important this year to Keep it locked to sports grid and get the edge, Kev, right? I mean, we were wall to wall for the draft. So our guys, whether it's my man, Kevin Walsh, Joe Lisi, Sermon Nello, or me for fantasy football, we've got all the insights you need. And without seeing preseason games, without knowing about these kids in the draft, we give you the edge maybe even more than in other years. But you know what's funny, Kev? You talk about this when we were like starting basketball again, and you're like, everyone's only thinking about COVID. But we're going to have regular injuries also. And last I heard, football is still a violent game. We haven't talked about it, but prize defensive linemen for the Cowboys, you know, one of their investments in the offseason, not Everson Griffin, but Gerald McCoy is going to miss the year early in practice. He banged up and tore up his quad. And now that's uh, that's no longer for Dallas. What's the impact of this? Because, you know, the Cowboys are expected to do some things in the NL East. Yeah, the Cowboys were supposed to, you know, I think they're still listed as the favorite, right, to win this yeah. uh, this whole thing. They here, when it, I, the NFC East. I, I do wonder if Gerald McCoy was more in name value, supposed to be a guy for this team. But I, I know people were, you know, expecting big things here. And, you know, we just have question marks about what is this defensive line going to be able to do? Uh, they're, they're one of the more interesting teams, I would say, in the league when you consider the, the DAC situation that continues to hang sure. over them. And, you know, you look at some of the defensive pieces they lost and you look forward, you know, what the defense gave them last year. You know, obviously it's, it's nothing but a negative when you consider uh, the fact that they're going to need every defensive piece uh, imaginable. Yeah, absolutely. Remember they doubled down on it uh, recently last week in signing Everson Griffin. Right. So they were clearly taking it as a priority to maintain the defensive line as a strength here for the Cowboys. They had that with guys like Lawrence and Quinn last year as well. It was going to be a priority and they definitely lose a big time puzzle piece for that one was stay in the NFC East where you are right. The Dallas Cowboys are the current favorites at minus one Oh five to win the NFC East. The second choice in that division is your squad Kev, the E a G L E S Eagles. And it's so interesting, right? Because in this time of year here, everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everyone looks good. Literally Kev in a span of 48 hours about Eagles, you know, ascending young running back, Miles Sanders. I heard Doug Peterson say, he can be a bell cow. We're going to give him the rock, right? And then he also has a lower body injury, which to your point about how close we are to the season, he was listed as week to week, which is a lot worse than day to day. But then because we're close to the season, they needed to make the point, oh, that's okay. He'll be ready, we believe, for week one because we are that close. As an Eagles fan, as an analyst, how big is this uh, Miles Sanders injury? Well, even if he is back for week one, he's missing time out there right now during intel. 
Yeah, look, Miles Sanders is going to be a very, very big part of this offense. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, injuries are going to happen. So the fact that they said, though, he will be already, they they already know he'll be ready to go by week one. I trust that, and I'm not worried about it, to be be totally honest. Now, injuries can linger. Here's the big thing for me, Dave. You and I had, uh, you know, over the course of us doing this show together, a lot of conversations about running backs in terms of fantasy football, right? Sure. It's something that we've talked about a lot. And Miles yeah. Sanders is one, not necessarily that we disagreed upon, but I, I just think that it was one that it was maybe difficult to, to nail down, if you will. It was an incomplete right? grade, I believe, right? Yeah. So here we are. We are yeah. two, three weeks away from the season. He picked up an injury. And yeah. instead, all we've heard is, oh, we're going to give him more reps. He's going to be the guy who could be a bell cow. Deuce Staley's like, yeah. I don't know when he's going to leave the field. Right. And they still haven't gone out there and picked up a guy. So I ask you, Dane, Miles Sanders, bell cow or RBB3? Well, not RBB3. If anything, maybe the timeshare. Okay. Um, I, I, there's still names out there, Kev. You know, yeah, but they're not calling them, Dane. They're yes. not calling them. Yeah, and you're like, right. And time just is got ticking. injured. Time he is ticking. They're still not calling He got injured yesterday. Anybody. Maybe we will hear in the next 48 hours that a guy like Isaiah Crowell well, or Devontae People Freeman, are drafting soon, Dane. Like, you're what's right, the you're move right. here? You're absolutely. Like, you're absolutely right. And I think you have framed it correctly. And even when we started this segment being like, we are closer than you think, right? And so in that context, right, the idea of, you're right. These running backs, you know, Devontae Freeman is the name that comes to mind after Lamar Miller signed in New England, right? There's still a couple of guys out there. We understand these kind of veteran also rands. Sure. And you are right. Okay. But if anything, honestly, Kev, and you know this, you're an Eagles fan. If anything, this would speak to me about the increased risk of trying to see Miles Sanders as a bell cow because of the horrible injury prone tag, right? Like he's banged up now. He was banged up last year. I don't know that they want to go at it thinking that this is the guy who can carry the mail for them. I love his skill, Kev, but I believe this injury only augments the idea that they need an an emergency plan. They need a backup. They need a guy. Even if they roster a guy, could it be a 70-30 split? Could they want Miles Sanders to be that dude? Yes, but I think they are going to bring in support still. Well, look, Miles Sanders played all 16 games last year. So I think some, you know, now he played through injury, but yeah, he played through yeah. injury, right? And that's what you are going to need a, a, any bell cow running back to do. 70-30 sure. means 70% sounds pretty close to a bell cow for the most part, if you ask me. They can't stop saying he's the guy, and he picks up an injury, and they've not called anybody. And they were supposed to call people this whole time, except Carlos right. Hyde went elsewhere, and Lamar Miller mm-hmm. went elsewhere. And the Devonta Freeman thing seems like a complete phantom job at this point, because who's calling Devonta Freeman if they've not called him already? Like, it's going to take a much bigger injury, it feels like, for Devonta Freeman to get the call. I'm just saying, Dane, if you're on the clock today, now, if you yeah. injury concerns is completely separate. But if you're going to have to list this guy in a category, at this point, I, I, I think we're lying if we're saying he's anything other than a bell cow going into the year. At this point, yes, absolutely. At this point, yes, I still do hold out a little bit of hope, uh, or not hope necessarily, but thought that 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 kind of status may be hampered into a little bit 
if and when they do bring in a veteran to that backfield. But don't get me wrong. I believe, you know, we've talked about kind of rankings and cusps and all that. I believe Miles Sanders continues to be have uh, an RB like one slash two, right? A back end RB one or a very high end RB two. I can understand him going as the anywhere from like the ninth to the 14th running back off the board. I think he was in a group with guys like Josh Jacobs, guys like Austin Eckler, uh, guys like Nick Chubb. And I still believe he is in that group. I don't know that I'm moving him up or down per se because of this, because I always thought he would be the lead dog in a timeshare. And I still believe he will be the lead dog in a timeshare. You're right, though. The coaches continue to talk him up. We do have to see what this injury looks like week to week. Sounds a little bit worse than day to day. One last thing I do want to mention here, because you will expect potentially movement in the next 24 to 48 hours. Jaguars pass rusher Yannick Ngakwe. Remember this, Kev, when we were having the franchise tag? We knew he was going to get that. Where There was the back and forth with him between him and Khan, one of the owners of the Jaguars, right? Literally playing it out in, in social media, going back and forth. The price originally for Ngakwe was a first round pick. It seems like they have a deal in place with a mystery team for something like a second round pick. What do you think about this? Because Ngakwe at only 25 years old can produce, can get to the quarterback. Where do you think he may wind up? Where is he a good fit? A lot of people are talking about our Jets, which I don't necessarily disagree with, especially after the draft pick haul they got from Jamal Adams and the need at pass rusher. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Jets can go out there and add pieces. I still think this year is going to be a complete mess for them. And to be totally honest with you, uh, them giving up a second-round pick for Yannick Ngakwe, that's a total win, I think, for the Jaguars. I know that they, they wanted a lot more than that, but you got to be realistic. Let's just call hmm. it what it is, Dane. There's a very good chance that that Jets pick lands in, in the top 40. I think you'll take that if you're Jacksonville. So, uh, yeah, this deal looks like it's going to get done. I don't see why it doesn't because he has no business. He really doesn't want to play there anymore. They don't right. seemingly want to win games, and they have they can potentially get back some valued assets. So I expect the the deal to be done here. I know the Jets have you know been continually looking to add some pieces. Right, they were uh, somewhat in the market for an hour or two for Jadavion Clowney. Right. So I buy it that it's happening. Do I think that this is going to save the Jets? No. No, fair enough. And I don't necessarily think the Jets are the team. Social media was ablaze, right, with, uh, you know, assumptions and hypotheses on what could go down. But it does look like Yannick Ngakwe will be on the move sometime, maybe even before the weekend. The last thing I'll mention, and you started it, Kev, you know, this idea of there's no preseason games. We're close. And I said camp battles when, you know, we don't get, you know, uh, insight into them. Well, the biggest one is in Chicago. Right. Well, we've been talking about your boy, Nick Foles. Right. And then Maserati, Mitch Trubisky. We're hearing conflicting reports. I mean, on one side, Cordero Patterson is saying he looks like a developed, a grown man who can lead this team. On the other side, we have the head coach Nagy saying, like, I can't actually say if Trubisky got better or not in the offseason, which seems like a winning indictment to me. I know how much you love Foles. Right. But yeah, it man. does have him behind the eight ball a little bit with no preseason games or reps to kind of show himself as the class of this quarterback room. How do you think this one shakes out? I mean, look, the answer should always be Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky. I saw, I saw a, Bears, <laughs> a Bears writer the other day who was like, Mitch Trubisky looked confident. This guy's back. Get on now while you still can. It's like, back? 
<laughs> That's not good if he's back. That boy's terrible. I mean, like, I got no trust in Mitch Trubisky. I'll tell you what, though. Let him start week one so we can fade him for a little bit and then let Nick okay. get in there. And then we just start back in the Bears because Nicky F gets the job done. All right, I buy that. We shall see. We know you love that big Nick energy. We will see who's under center for the Bears. I'll tell you what, there will be no fans in the stands, though, in Chicago, a moving target for a lot of stadiums. We'll talk about it before the season and wrap this up when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Thanks for waking up with us bright and early in the morning as we cock a doodle do it. But SportsGrid gives you what you need all day long. We continue here with the morning after. And so we spend a couple of minutes with our arm girl and host of the show, Ariel Epstein. Ariel, I wanted to ask you on Tuesday because I heard you talking about the, the Lakers having their memorial bands for Kobe Bryant. But ironically... They're only going to go to them if they get to the second round. I don't know what kind of you know meeting room that decision was made in. But for me, it's on some like, eh, it would be a really bad look if we honor the Mamba and then Damian Lillard turns into the Mamba 2020. What do you think about this series? And are we going to see these patches after all or not? I think we're going to see the patches. I think that we'll see those jerseys that honor Kobe Bryant. To me, it's that winning mindset that Kobe Bryant had. If you give yourself and you mean game time to the second, they have game what? time. Is that what it is? Isn't that game time in a nutshell? Yeah, but also if you have the Lakers at least honor themselves and Kobe because they make the second round, then at least it's an honor to say. Okay, Kobe, we already won that round for you. Instead of playing in the first round where if they lost, yikes, first time in LeBron James' career losing in the first round, that would not be a nice way to honor Kobe. Yikes, Kevin. Yikes, Kevin. I'll tell you what, Dane. Doing this on a Friday, smooth move. A lot of breathing room there. On a Thursday, (laughs) when we show up tomorrow after that game, a bold call, my friend. But I will be ready for tomorrow. Ariel, though, tell me what's coming up next on the show. Got about 30 left here. We are going to talk a lot about those NBA playoffs. We'll also give you a preview into the Major League Baseball slate and hockey. Yanni the Greek coming on. Obviously, one of the sharpest betters in Vegas. And Alyssa Rose, our Sports Grid media host, as well, to break down some Major League Baseball. Sounds good. The fun and functional sports content continues right here on Sports Grid. Do me a favor, Ariel. Tell Yanni I said hello. The morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.